Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things to All People podcast, a place where we are exploring God's great mission to gather the nations and wrestling with the challenges of radical love and inclusion of all cultures into one family as a true kingdom alternative to the world. Let's get to it. You are listening to the All Things to All People podcast with Michael Burns and, of course, my co-hosts, Jason Alexander and Gianna Hearn. Today, Jason, Gianna, and I are going to be moving out of 1 Corinthians a little bit, although we will still start in 1 Corinthians. You'll understand as we move into the episode, but we're going to talk today mostly about the really important topic of identity. What is our identity? What is the identity of others? And how does that play into the great lie? It becomes a really important topic as we examine how our culture tends to handle this topic, especially when it comes to other people. So sit back, Buckle in, open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians at the beginning, and that's where we will start today. Jason, Gianna, hello. How are we doing today? Always good. Always good. Good, good. Good morning. Always good and good all the, that doesn't work. I was, okay, mm-hmm. never mind. You know how when people <laughs> say like God is good all yeah. the time and all the time? All God the is time. Good. I was going to try to do that somehow, but. I realized halfway through that my car was going off the cliff and it <laughs> was not working. So oh, I know, I know the feeling way to catch yourself. <laughs> this is my life. That's a metaphor yeah. for my life. Lately, right. Right. So, um, absolutely. Hey, we, we got a jam packed episode today, a lot to talk mm. about, but are you, you guys got anything to talk about before we jump in? Um, no, that, nope, there's nothing nothing I can think of. Very exciting lives. That I wouldn't be surprised lead. if Jason had something. <laughs> just no, I mean every it's it's either irrelevant or just my own uh, complaints in life, and so no one needs to hear any of that. So well, those could be interesting, on. but I do have <laughs> I something. It. I do have something. Okay. I want to talk about, and it's a story, but it starts with a question. And so my question okay. at the beginning is, am I crazy? That's the opening question, right? So you, are you guys ready? Okay. Yes. Yes. So I, my wife makes me an appointment for the optometrist. Okay. I love where this is going. Yeah. So just hang on because you don't, you have no <laughs> idea where this is going yet. Hang on. So. First of all, my wife does this often. She makes doctor's appointments for me that I don't ask for, that I don't want. Um, in fact, she tried to do this recently with a specific kind of doctor's appointment. She was like, you're 50 now. You have to do this. And I was like, absolutely not. And we're still going around about that because I, I refuse. But I went to, so I went to this eye doctor thing, right? And so I'm in the back, the guy's doing all the little, can you read the letters thing? And I've always had perfect vision. And so now all of a sudden the guy's like, can you read that bottom line? And I was like, "Eh, you know, it's, it's a little blurry. So at this point I'm deeply disappointed in my eyes, like deeply, because I expect better of them than this. (laughs) And I said, you know, to be honest, it's, it's not as good as it was a year or two ago. And the doctor was like, I'm surprised it didn't start much earlier. Um, and then he gets done and I thought, well, I'm still in the good zone though. I don't need glasses, you know, whatever. And then we get done and he goes, okay, uh, you could probably use some readers and you know, you, you could use some for farther vision, but you don't really need that yet. Um, you could probably use some reading glasses. So I, my, my disappointment is hitting new lows and I go, yeah, okay, fine. So we go out and they're like, okay, you got to pick glasses. And there's like 
a thousand types of glasses and I'm like, that's overwhelming, but I see a Nike section. That's where I'm going. Okay. Give me, give me these Nikes. Uh, you know, <laughs> I know Nike. That's what I know. So, okay. So then we sit down and the woman goes, do you want, um, bifocals or do you want just reading glasses? And I'm like, bifocals, like, no, that seems extra. I don't, he, he said, I don't need it to see, you know, normal lengths and far and all this. So she goes, okay, so just readers. I said, yeah. So we pay the money or whatever. I'm expecting to get glasses right then. I've never had glasses. I find out it takes a week or two. So they're like, we'll notify you. So a week later we get this text and we go into the store because my wife had to get new glasses so we go in to pick up the glasses and she goes, okay, we, you got to try these on. So I put them on and everything in the room immediately glow, goes blurry, like blurry. super oh, wow. blurry. Okay. Yeah. So you didn't know where this was going. No, right? I didn't. And I'm like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, everything's blurry. And she goes, yeah, those are readers. Like read something. So I picked up this thing yeah. and I held it up and I'm like, no, it's still kind of blurry. And she goes, yeah, it has to be within a foot. So now I hold it a foot away from my face and it's really sharp and clear. And I'm like, yeah, uh, okay. And she's like, are those good? And I just take them off and I set them down. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not wearing these. And she goes, oh, well, I mean, we can get you bifocals if you want, and then you could see farther. And my wife is like, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm never going to wear these. I'm just telling you. And and so it turns out these readers, you can only see a foot away. You get two feet away. Right. You can't. And I'm like, what good is this for me? I don't hold a book a foot from my face. Who does that right. anyways? Right. And my right. computer screen is farther than that. And I'm like, and and anything beyond that is blurry. And I feel like I'm going to vomit. And so then she's like, oh, well, yeah, that's what readers do. And my Krisha, my wife was like, yeah, that's what, that's what readers do. They, they only see things up close. That's why you get bifocals. You can, I'm like, so why would you want to have glasses that make everything blurry the minute you look away from anything less than a foot away from your face? And they're like, they're like laughing Mm -hmm. at me. Because I don't know this. And like, well, I, and the woman's like, I, I'm sorry that we didn't explain that better, but shed that look on the, on your face, on her face. Like you're kind of an idiot and you're crazy for yeah. not knowing this. So then after sitting there about 10 minutes, they're like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I'm not going to wear these, but I don't want bifocals because that makes me feel like an old guy. It's a big step. Because that is a big step. Because yeah. I don't need glasses for anything yeah. beyond just yeah. a little bit of reading. And it's not even reading. It's only like if I'm reading and the light's a little lower now, it's a little like, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's about it. So did you have a problem reading or did you discover that you had a problem reading when you went to the doctor? No, I mean, the only time, like I said, is like if the light was a little bit lower, I'd be like, oh, it's a little hard to read, but yeah, listen, not a, you know. This is why you should never go to the doctor. If you oh don't my. go to the doctor, uh, that's good advice, Jason. <laughs> See, you would have been fine if you hadn't gone. No, I, I've learned the hard way. That's not true. This is my whole but theory on the colonoscopy. Oh, gosh. There, I'm telling there you. There you go. You, no. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. When you're in the stage of life, you're you're having to think about bifocals and colonoscopies. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's all downhill from here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But they, but they acted to. like I was crazy for not knowing this whole thing about glasses and readers and distances. And there's like readers and then computer distance and then far distance and all these different things. Like, like I'm crazy for not knowing this. Like, who would know that naturally? Yeah, old people know that. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> what I didn't know about glasses, because I do wear them now, is that you can't just go to the store like a Walgreens and buy the glasses that they have just on a rack in those drug stores. Like I was like, oh, okay, if I have bad vision, I can just pick one of those up. But that's only for readers. So that's that's right, I think right. how I figured out what readers are is that oh, okay. oh, everything's blurry. So that made sense after I found that out. Well, but if I was just yeah. normally just not interested in glasses and I just went to an appointment, I might be like you a little bit. 
That makes yeah. sense. Well, it's basically a magnifying glass uh, reader. <laughs> That's all it is, is you're putting a magnifying glass <laughs> up to your eye. Okay. You should get a magnifying glass. Right? You Do should that. get a monocle. That, oh, that would be cool. That would be cool. That would be that would be stylish. Um and if I'm if I'm nothing, I'm stylish. Yeah, dude, can you yeah. imagine a cardigan, a mustache, a monocle? Do you have to a get pipe? a pipe? Yes. Okay, there you, you go. Have you have to who, get a who's pipe. Who's that inspector? Who's that inspector? Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. That's what I'm thinking yeah. when I see that. Totally. Okay. Michael I, fits the bill. Well, I do have a reputation for style, though, because Gianna, what is my nickname? Yes. What is my nickname around drip. the world? What? I'm, I'm like drip. I'm like, I don't that's half big of drip. it. There big you go. drip. What you call him? <laughs> big yes. drip is okay, what they call go. me. There you go. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's accurate. Did you Jason, know that, wow. Jason? Around the world. Well, I, big I knew that just by looking at you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, so. makes did sense. Did you know the association between the word drip? And having being fashionable, because if you don't understand that, refu- then you don't get. I, that. I, I I understand that I refuse to use that, <laughs> but <laughs> I know I know of it. it. There's something about. I mean, I'm already on the verge of being, you know, irrelevant as a 40 year old wearing <laughs> the same gym shoes I wore when I was 11 and listening to music I listened to when I was 15. I mean, I'm pretty out of touch as it is. So I start throwing a wor- words around like drip. It's over. <laughs> well, it's yeah. over for the word when someone your age starts using the word. Exactly. Then, right? then, then yeah. it's done. As soon as you yeah. hear old people using the word, like yes. the kids are like, yeah, it's done. You killed it. Have Talking you seen about? Oh, go ahead, Jason. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say the episode of Portlandia where um, the, he's looking inside a coffee shop and he sees a guy in like pleated pants and a tucked in Oxford shirt. And he's, it's like this, you know, hipster guy. He's like, oh, this coffee shop's over. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, and then later there's a a hipster in there and the guy with the pleated pants comes in. He's like, oh, this coffee shop's over. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. I've, I've never seen that show. You've never seen Portlandia? Oh my goodness. No. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's moments where it's kind of, kind of crass. You might have to skip around, but oh, goodness gracious. (laughs) outstanding all right go ahead gianna oh i was just gonna say according to my young siblings i'm becoming an expert in all things old since i turned 31 tomorrow which would be november 16th and happy um, birthday i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling older i'm feeling like i can relate more to jason than i can my siblings (laughs) and i'm like what is this what is this jason do you notice when she said relate to older people she mentioned your name yeah and, well i knew you were well, farther away closer. from me michael yeah, and i I'm, didn't want no to make gee, that we don't we don't need that point. comment see okay uh, uh, <laughs> it's it's getting you hostile it it's time to move on now this yeah, this okay. conversation is no longer fun for me so let's, the old man let's, lead the way it's unsafe yeah. yes it's it's become <laughs> an unsafe environment for me yeah. so let's move on um First Corinthians one, we've, we've mentioned this a little bit, and of course we've got, been going through first Corinthians and the great lie, but I really want to drill down on this concept today in chapter one, verse two. Now we know the challenges that Paul is about to lay out for this church in their mimicking of the great lie and they're dealing with, um, you know, allowing aspects of the cultural mindsets and beliefs and structures and systems into the life of the church. But I find it so powerful that at the beginning, Paul says to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. And I'll, I'll stop right there. Holy people, saints, sanctified. Um, this is the identity that Paul addresses them with and with which he approaches them throughout, even as he's challenging them on perhaps their, uh, you know, their praxis, the way they've lived out their faith in community. 
And so what a, what a powerful concept. So I thought we could talk about that today, this identity as, as image bearers, as saints, as holy people. Now, l- let me ask this question. Why do you guys see the same significance there? Uh, why is it significant that Paul gives them this identity, even though he challenges them in some areas that they've got to work on, like some serious errors? What is it, what stands out for you guys? What's significant about him addressing them with these sort of terms at the beginning? Mm-hmm. We'll let Jason think on it because we know he takes it all in when you <laughs> first ahead. ask yeah, the yeah, question. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Well, I'm just pretending like I don't have a thousand things to say. So I'm <laughs> you, you go, you go, Gianna. <laughs> well, I always, I just always find it interesting how Paul starts his letters in general. So it always makes me like interested, like, why is he saying this at the beginning? Right. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, it's important that we take a look at this, but one, it's like, what's the first thing that he addresses? Um, to those that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. So then I have to ask myself, do I know what that even means? What does sanctified in Christ Jesus mean? And called to be his holy people. Okay, so what does it mean to be called? And then it talks about us being all together, everyone, like everywhere who's called. So it's just like, okay, so we're part of something much bigger. um, And there's a lot of questions I need to ask myself, like, oh, so like I'm a part of each of these groups and why? Mm. Yeah, sanctified is yeah. a whole another conversation. That's a good question, and and different traditions would answer that differently. Uh, I'm sure we'll come back to that in the in the fu- in future episodes. But Jason, go go ahead. What do you got? Uh, so the question is why or what does it what does it where does it get us that he he uses this kind of language? That's what you were. You take us wherever you want to go with that. Uh, well, I mean. You know, I, I think one could one could, um, one could uh, see some some theological uh, insight here. Um, I mean, the the term the term uh, to call them saints is you know it's it's important insofar as it it uh, gives them the identity of God's uh, chosen. Um, elect, uh, precious, whatever, whatever um, language uh, is associated with with Israel, and not even specifically Israel, but the. And uh, um, uh, I'm thinking of like Psalm 16, um, where it's uh, you know the, my holy ones in whom is all my delight. I mean, this is this is language. Uh, given to the people of God for, for some time by this point. Um, so I, I think to, to refer to um, the church as holy ones, and, and, and just to be clear, it might not be clear, but the word saint, it's, it's the same, same idea, ho- holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks for clarifying that for the regulars in the back. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, me. it's, <laughs> it's, it's not obvious. And there's a number of reasons why that's not obvious. Obviously, um uh church tradition with the kind of naming of saints has kind of uh made it a more muddy uh discussion you know when we hear the word saint we can tend to think you know holy roller or or, or this very holy person um which I'm not denigrating that tradition I'm just saying it it's not clear when we use saint what exactly is meant but it's yeah it's holy ones uh, so that would be a, a, a very dignified uh, a term to use. Uh, theologically, or, or a, a kind of implicit the- theology here is, um, given the imperfection <laughs> of the saints, and, and, and it's interesting that perfection and holiness are bound up together, that's another discussion, but they're not yet as they should be. And so this communicates a kind of faithfulness of God that he would still consider them his holy ones. Um, it's a kind of like people in process uh, kind of theology. And that just uh, drips with uh, the idea of God's patient, humble, gracious 
loyal loyalty. Yeah. yeah. So anyways. Well, here's that's big. really good. Oh, go ahead. Were you done, Jason? No, I was just gonna say it's big. It's a, it's a yeah. it's a big idea. It's not something you should blow past. Well, here's what jumps out at me is maybe this is just a weird way my mind works, but I, I think of how Paul does this, and then I think of our level of discourse and culture today. And I would almost expect Paul to start out with you bigots, <laughs> you classists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, like that sort of thing, like you are supposed to be in Christ, but you have become nothing but status loving bigots, you know, so what, whatever terms they would use for it. And, you know, I feel like Paul does a beautiful job in the cultural situations he is applying the the beauty of the kingdom of God by he doesn't just dismiss people's identities, right? Like right. he'll say, hey, I'm a Jew, you're a Gentile, there's Hebraic, there's Hellenic, there's strong and weak, you know, there's these terms the world uses, I recognize they're there, and some of you are nobly born and some not, and as descriptions, I think he utilizes those terms to describe what might be going on, but I don't ever see him, and I don't see Jesus doing this either, using those as identity markers, as primary identity markers, right? Like for him, the identity is in Christ. So regardless of their behavior, in his mind, they're saints. Right. They're the what's the greek word there the the hagios right hagios yeah yeah um you know that's that's what they are and so um the reason that stands out to me i guess is it it seems like such a stark contrast to today and i'm not even talking about you know the secular world out there i'm talking about christians and I, and granted it can be a fuzzy blurry line at times, like where's, what's a description and what's an identity marker. But I, I just hear these terms everywhere now. Well, they're Marxist, they're racist. I'm anti-socialist. I'm anti-racist. I'm, yeah. you know, like, hey, anti-racism. You're a, CR- you're a CRT proponent. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Totally. All of that. Which, which most people don't even know what that means, but it, at some level it means Marxist. So yeah. you're done. Uh, e- even liberal, conservative, those sorts of things were were assigning identities to other human beings that are image bearers. And and where I see again, there can be descriptions. Paul will say, "Some of you are, you know, not many of you are nobly born." I'm I'm a Jew, but never in the sense of assigning identity. And and the passage, I'll tell you what, Jason and G, that jumps out to me is Matthew 5, 22. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's middle of the the Sermon on the Mount, right? And that's that's kind of that strange passage where Jesus says, anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. And I think that's a, the, the, the marker there is it is a, it's an identity label. It's, it's saying somebody is their primary identity or personhood is not, is no longer as an image bearer. Yeah. What do you think about that? Am I, am I off on that? Um, does that make sense? It does. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, it, it, this is the reason this is a challenge is for me is that the, every human being, um, is, is a, is made in the image of God or is made to be an image of God. And so this to, to, um, to strip somebody of that, uh, that, uh, 
dignity, that God-givenness is a is that's a that's a big sin. And so it it makes sense that um that uh Jesus would be so intense about something that we tend to do on a regular basis. Like we just don't think about um, when you, when you uh, slander somebody or you defame somebody, how um, uh, counter that is to the life God intends. And, you know, this whole language, I mean, the, a primary text for holiness is Leviticus. Well, it's a, it's a section of Leviticus. It, with this discussion, um, Leviticus 18 through 20, um, and right in the middle, uh, chapter 19, there is this call to be holy because God God is holy. And th- this is what's so groundbreaking for me personally. Uh, the holiness usually communicates behaviors, and it, it doesn't seem to always, like when, when we think of being holy, we we um we can tend to think of well that's that that uh, uh you know menu that Israel you know ordered from or you know their their uh, their wa- washings uh, their, their uh, anxiety about skin diseases and bodily fluids and so holiness is this kind of archaic uh, thing but Leviticus nineteen moves being holy as God is holy into the realm of how we treat others. And specifically, not just how we treat others, and this is what I think Jesus is getting at, but how our hearts are oriented toward others. You know, the great, we we mentioned this last time, but the great call to love your neighbor, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Just before that is, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. And that, not hating your brother in your heart, and it says, don't bear a grudge with your brother, but bring him out and rebuke him openly because you don't want to poison the waters. Um, and that poisoning of the waters, that heart that would just write somebody off, that would think ill of an image bearer, whatever language you want to use, is bound up with being holy. And so when, when you call someone holy, it's it's a statement of dignity but it's i i also wonder if paul's readers heard in the word saint or holy one vocation like you are called to be the people that treat other people as they should be treated um and i guess that that's assuming they have a a a even uh marginally robust understanding of what it means to be holy but i gotta imagine uh if paul had been in contact with them he would have communicated that to be holy is a very relational um, mm. and, and you could call it a justice term. It certainly is a justice term, uh, but justice almost sells it short because it has to do not just with justice, but with love and um, relationship. Yeah. All right. And sermon. G, let me ask you this. Why are we so quick to label other people <laughs> and call them names and put them in a category? It seems to be, come very easy to humans what why do you think we uh, you know sort of reduce conversation to that so quickly that's a hard question i i really don't know why but i do know it seems to be second nature and pretty right. hard to stop my mind from doing that and seeing others do that as well um, and not only for other people, but I think it's also second nature to put a qualifier on our identity. Like you were talking about, like, let's say I'm a conservative Christian. Like, why are we yeah. putting that qualifier? Why is it not just I'm a Christian? Um, that there needs to be differentiation between different types of believers is interesting. Um, right. And so I don't, it, maybe it's the need to feel that we are a part of a group, but it is interesting. Why don't we feel a part of a group enough within the body of believers that there's needs to be more when I see a brother or sister and I want to put them into a different labeled group other than my brother and sister in Christ. Why do I feel the need to do that? Um, yeah. And so I think it's more of a question of how maybe I, I see uh, the body of Christ is the group that we are all a part of. Yeah. Um, but it is very natural to want to like put it into subsections and smaller groups, I think, because you want to feel comfort 
Where do I right. feel comfortable? Right, right. And these others make me feel not as comfortable. So I'm going to put them in a different group so that it may be in my mind. I know where I stand, who I'm close with. And so maybe it's a relational thing of how I can relate to others and feel close. Yeah. It's a great, great point. No, that's a, that's a good point. I really like that. And he, here's my take on it as well to add to that. I, I do think it has to do with the great lie. This idea going back to something other than being an image bearer. And we're discipled by, mm-hmm. uh, anti-discipled by the culture, by the society around us at all sorts of levels. And so the the role of image bearers, all male and female human beings are the same as image bearers. We're equal. We're in the same category. We're unified. We're reflecting God's will. That's the That's sort of the perfect picture of what humanity can be. But as soon as we reject that role and start to think, well, I'm I'm superior to that role. I got a I got a better plan, like Adam and Eve did. It immediately right. divides. What happens in the very next chapter? Brother kills brother. You have Lamech come on the scene. You know, killing, dividing, um, and I th- I think that's what happens. And so then if I'm better, I'm superior, you're inferior. Well, that's what the labeling is about. It's it's lifting myself or my group up, putting yours down. And here's what's interesting. As you were talking, G, I thought you, you said, you know, why do I have to say I'm a conservative Christian or I'm a progressive Christian? Why can't it just be Christian? And I like that thought. But then the next thought that occurred to me is, well, couldn't somebody say, well, aren't you still sort of labeling yourself then and separating yourself as superior? Well, I'm a Christian and you're not. Are we still taking part in that sort of group identity thing? And here's where I'll push back against that and say, I don't think so. Because I think it is the one calling where we are being restored to being image bearers, ideally. And where if you look at what the heart of a Christian is, it's laying your life down for others, treating others better than yourself, thinking not of yourself more highly than you are, putting the interests <laughs> of others ahead, you know, all of these things, not taking power over them. So it's it's actually training ourselves to become the opposite of those who have lost the role of image bearer. It's being restored to it. And so the way we do it is through sacrifices, sacrifice, laying uh, ourselves down. And I think that's why Paul was so concerned is I think there's a bit of establishing their identity in the first couple of verses, but there's also a sense of perhaps this is what you're not living up to as well. And that's a problem totally. when you're supposed yeah, to totally. be image bearers and you're mm-hmm. not, yeah. right? Yeah, because image bearer, again, like j- just if we were to go spend uh, some time w- with that phrase, which uh, is uh, Genesis 1, 26, 20. Well, I, I would include verse 28, I think is important for understanding image bearer, bearer but uh, verses 26 through 28. Um, you, you discover that, uh, whatever image bearer may mean, um, in a kind of theological sense or in an anthropological sense, um, it at least is vocational that to, to be an image bearer is, is to play a, um, a kind of starring role in the drama of salvation, right? You're, you're a key character, in the unfolding of uh, the, 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 whatever, the, the, the show of creation to use a play metaphor. And, and I think, I think uh, to call someone an image bearer um, is to, uh, is to summons them to that drama. It's, it's vocational. You can't be an image bearer just by saying I'm an image bearer. It's a, <laughs> it's a lived reality. And we do, we can do that though. And I think that's where, that's where I said it come, becomes problematic because in some sense, 
all of every human in Christ or out of Christ is made to be an image of God. And you just use the language like it's, I don't know what you said, it's lost or it's, they're failing to be. And, and that's, that's the challenge is like, there's living as an image bearer and then there's uh, being created to be an image bearer. <laughs> hmm. So, so it should be, a, it should be something of a challenge as well. A, to call someone a saint, it, it'd be hard to not, here like yeah we're we're not um it's not just a group <laughs> it's a way of life yeah i think as we were talking about it it became like a little bit clearer to me that paul is maybe using this intro as a reminder like to remember reminder. who you are yeah, yeah like yeah. in lion king i think it's mufasa <laughs> that's exactly what Simba, I of, remember yeah. who you yes. are like and i think remember as christians <laughs> typically we need those reminders <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think we do say that sometimes to each other, like we'll start off with something like as Christians, we da da da. Like we're trying yes. to remind each other that we should be doing this a little differently, guys. Like, remember, let's call ourselves back to Christ. And so, um, you know, reading that intro makes it a little bit more like knowing what's to come in his letters is, right. you know, I'm going to point out some things, but I want you to remember this is who we should be. And I'm going to mm -hmm. call you all to that. So agreed. Let me ask you guys this. Matthew 5:22, Jesus says if you anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Matthew 7:12, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Is it a sin to give someone a, a a primary identity to call them a name of identity or a labeling of identity other than image bearer. Is that a sin? If, if you're using it in that sense of, well, this is really their identity. Cause this is now, now, because here's what we do with identity markers, right? Now I know how to treat you. Oh, right. right now. I so know true. what category so you fit in. Oh, you're, yeah. You're a Marxist. Well, you're you're a danger. You're you mm -hmm. know foolish. You're not intellectual. You are anti-American. All of these sorts of things, you know. And and again, all sides do this. Uh, now I know how to treat you. I've labeled you. You're other than I am. Is that an outright sin? When we do that, when we use that term, is that what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, 22? I have no idea, but what I do know <laughs> is that. Good answer. Yeah. That is a good answer. <laughs> I'm leaving yeah. that to Jason. That's why I jumped so quickly. I'm like, he's no, going to talk no, after I, me. <laughs> I, I'm glad you said that because I don't either. That's great. Yeah, I don't. But what I do know is when I have labeled people based off of my feelings, it has created harm. When my husband, I feel like, has maybe held back some details that I thought he should have shared, I call him a liar. You lied. And mm. he has quickly told me, you are identifying me. Like, that makes me feel some type of way that you think this is who I am. Like, this is who I am at my core is uh, a liar. I'm right. like, no, I'm just saying in this in this sense, like, you lied. So that, yeah, you were being a liar right now. He's like, no, you're saying who I am. And that like hurts. And also he feels like, you know, that is not who I am. So why are you labeling me that way? So I don't know if it's necessarily a sin, but I do know when I label people, I can cause harm and give them labels that aren't necessarily there to stick forever. Um, and so I try to be more careful about how I label people based off of a feeling that maybe have been hurt or anger that I have been feeling. And I want to label somebody else because of what I'm going through. So I didn't answer your question, whether it's sin, but I, I think if it's not sin, it can still cause harm to a reputation, um, to how they see themselves and maybe where, um, how they would act in the future. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I was sorry. I was looking at something. Everything you just said, like about the, the, the liar thing is, is a perfect example of yeah how this affects us because we, and I think that that is uh, 
part of what I see in Jesus's words is, you know, to call somebody, um, you idiot, you know, you moron. Um, I mean, I suppose there's a sense in which we might not mean what the word conveys, but that's the problem. <laughs> and, yeah, um, yeah. It, there's a, um, I was trying to think of, there's a, there's a rabbinic parable. Uh, it's called something like the, uh, the ugly man. Um, but it's, it's the man, it, it, one man says to another beggar, you know, you're ugly, something like you're ugly. And the rabbi, you know, quickly corrects him and says, you know, he's, you've insulted his maker. Like you've, mm. you, by calling him ugly, by, by judging, you know, him by the way he looks, you've insulted his maker. And so it's a, it's a kind of warning to, um, to be very careful about how we talk about people, because if, if image bearing is a part of this discussion, um, we are, we're saying something about God as well. Mm -hmm. And um, that is a a frightening thought, but yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, that's, that's scary how you just said that because I, yeah. How, how we might take that. If someone called me a liar, that's, that's, that's a, that's a hard one to get over. That could really do some harm. But it is okay to call like famous people uh, in terms <laughs> right. of identity, right? I mean, yeah. that's okay to call politicians idiots and maniacs. And right, um, that's what you would think would be okay if you see how <laughs> right. social media goes, right? Right. No, yeah. because again, I, I've seen Christians just as guilty of this, like going yeah. on and you know calling people these identity markers here's here's how i see it though and i and i love what you said g as far as like i i don't know if it's sin or not i i don't know either but and maybe i'm reading too much into this but i i don't think so and matthew 5 22 jesus says okay let me give you a, a cultural example if you call someone raka um you can be answerable to the court for that situation that's a serious uh deal you know, you got to answer for of character. Yeah. Right. And he says, and anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Not that you will be cast out. You have no place in the kingdom or, you know, other terms that are used in other sorts of places, but it's like, be careful with this behavior because it puts you in danger. It, it, it's because immediately I think when we start, seeing others as anything other than image bearers that need to be loved and restored. Don't we actually strip ourselves of the actions and, and the, the identity in a sense of being an image bearer, at least, you know, uh, temporarily. And it puts us in danger and we start to become comfortable with this. Let me ask you guys one more question though. And, uh, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this one, so we'll we'll see how this goes here. But, you know, we do tend to, like, call a politician an idiot or, you know, even sometimes famous people, you know, are watching a game or something. It's like, oh, that guy's a bum or, you know, whatever. And, and that's probably less serious. But, okay, so we're saying this is not Christ-like. It's not image-bearing behavior. How would you answer the person that says, whoa, wait a minute. Jesus uses terms like vipers and hypocrites. <laughs> and Paul will do similar things. And Peter will say false teachers are blacker than mists, you know, and they're brute beasts. So they did it. So why are you saying we can't? use that sort of behavior or language how how would we answer that thought am, am, am well, are we just being Jason? too soft no. here <laughs> am, am yeah, i being well, too soft and lovey-dovey and just playing up on the love element and not considering the whole biblical witness here mm-hmm. uh well, I mean, the, the Proverbs have some harsh words to say. Um, uh, what's the phrase? Chasar uh, lev. I'd have to go look. But um, uh, 
uh, empty headed. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> mm. the idea. Like, like a uh, moron, it would be an apt translation uh, of, mm. uh, of some of the language in Proverbs. Um, uh, scoffer, lates, to call someone lates is a kind of like pretty strong language. And it has no apology for that kind of language. Um, you know, you, you're, you're an idiot. Um, and so, and I, this is where I think the Beatitudes, the following sermon, um, you know, its emphasis on the heart is what makes it such a dangerous passage to the, 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 um, the angry Christian, <laughs> you know, like the, because it, because it's, um, there's something about um, our anger, and that's the the discussion, right? In Matthew five, the calling someone a name, isn't it immediately? It's it's within the discussion about uh, anger toward a brother. Um, uh, if 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 we if someone holds something against you, it, it's dealing with a deeper issue uh, where our our language grows out of a, a deeper place. And so it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a rebuke. It's not a rebuke for someone rejecting God's ways. Um, in in some cases, strong language is is appropriate for the person who scoffs at the Lord, right? Um, but but this is more like a deeper, like I'm 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 angry, and I have the right to take you down. And I think those are those are. This is a very subtle discussion, but it's um, it's uh, it's there. It, is it also there's there's a two proverbs back pretty much back to back. I think there there's a, a maybe like two lines intervening, but it's answer a fool to his according to his folly. Uh, I think that's how it starts. You read down and it's like don't answer a fool to, according to its folly. And it's kind of which one, <laughs> right? It's like exactly, exactly. That, that's that's part of the the um, the need for wisdom and a pure heart and a love for God, a fear for, fear of the Lord. Um, but this calling your 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 neighbor Raka or you you fool doesn't seem to be a defense of God's glory. It seems to be an anger issue, um, and that's where we really get into trouble. Uh, I suppose you could get into trouble trying to defend God too, but even there I'd suggest, well, there's a deeper personal anger and lack of trust from which that language emerges. I don't know if any of that made sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm out of my depth here. This is like, <laughs> this is like psychology stuff. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like I agreed with most of what you were going to say at the most rudimentary level for me. I felt like, if it wasn't in defense of truth, then it's probably not needed. And truth meaning like the gospel or Christ himself, then there's really no place for labeling any any person of anything. Now, that would be really hard because we're so used to doing that. Really? Um, yeah. But your point as to dealing with anger as a response, and that is most what I see with myself, wanting to label Mm -hmm. people out of, like I said earlier, feelings, emotions, whether it's anger or sadness or hurt or grief. Um, And that's why I think it's important when the Bible says um, to have self-control. And I think a lot of people think self-control in a purity aspect, at least me growing up as a young Christian. Um, But I think self-control just in the sense of, how do we react to emotional hurts or pains? Yeah. And um, I think a lot of the time we will see us saying things like rock or those things out of the anger. So I, I really like what you shared, Jason. I, I agree with all of it. I just wanted to elaborate my thoughts on what you said. That's great. Oh, I, yeah. I, I like what you both are saying about um, anger. And I, I think, gee, you're kind of getting at something that, you know, I, I would want to expand upon, um, well, two things you said there, really. The the first being, I, I, I love the idea that it has to do with uh, the, the truth of the gospel and around that. And I do think it's significant that as we look with Jesus, with Peter, with Paul, all of these examples of them using that sort of descriptors or language 
has to do with people who were teaching falsely about God and right. oppressing others. Lord. Yeah, putting mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. down. The second element, and I think this is what you were kind of getting to when you talked about how you and all of us really tend to use it as an anger, uh, you know, motif is, and, and I, I've been thinking about this and I thought this and then recently, so I want to give credit here because there's a, a, a term that I really liked was, um, uh, author and Christian podcaster, Sky Jatani, one of my favorites, he was talking about a similar concept in a different context, but, and so I'm, I'm building on the word redemptive and mm. in, in this area. And oh, that's good. it's the idea that Jesus, the apostles, uh, seem to have an ability, which I think is available, which is to use anger in a redemptive way for the benefit of someone else, to use harsh language. Of course, they're also in a cultural context where um, the way they said things was not shutting down, I think, conversations. You know, I think that can, you've got to factor in cultural differences where if you you know, there are cultures today where if you say something directly to someone that uh, offends them and hurts their feelings and they're going to immediately take it negatively and you have to kind of work within that. But I think to use those things in a redemptive way, I trust, and, and this is kind of Jitani's thought, I trust Jesus to do that. Yeah. I trust the apostles to be able to do that. Exactly. I do not right. trust myself <laughs> no. to be able to do that. Uh, yeah. I, I don't trust most people on social media. And while I love my brothers and sisters, um, right. I don't think most of us have mastered that art where I think it's better to err in the side of, you know, seeing someone as an image bearer, which they are, but using loving, kind terms rather than these harsher terms with a redemptive aim, it can be used, but I've not seen many examples outside of scripture. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the reverse of redemptive would be corrupting speech, which is a serious no, no. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So there you go, Reggie or Gianna, the next time you're in an argument with Reggie, um, think redemptive and because you're the only <laughs> yeah, one and then who it's argues okay. with their spouse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I well, have there, seen a difference. He's like, I hey, why did you say that? It's okay, Reggie. That was redemptive. I meant in it. Take this in a redemptive sense. Yes. <laughs> you're an idiot. Oh my gosh. No, I feel like there have been times where I have used words to purposely hurt out of anger. Then there have right. been times when I felt like as his partner in this life that, you know, I need to say certain things. And I think he understands the difference too um, when he hears it from me. So I think that there's just responsibility on on the person who is saying it. Right. Right. Wisdom is the word I'm thinking. Yeah. Wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I would allow one of y'all to say, Jason, you're being an idiot. (laughs) I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't walk away like, um, you just attacked my essence <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. because there's a relationship and because because there's trust and because the sense in which you would say that to me and because we didn't be, other you yeah you yeah. exactly exactly well put right and, mm-hmm. and there therein lies that i like that you said wisdom and so language is a sword that very few christians are are yet mature enough to wield and and even myself, I feel like I get into trouble um, because I talk a lot. I think that's the danger in mm-hmm. up teachers is like, uh, I think the whole thing is like teachers will be judged more mm-hmm. harshly because there's a lot more from which to judge them because yeah. their that mouths are always running. And so <laughs> I, I think there's a, um, there's a language is a powerful thing that's reflective of something much deeper. And uh, yeah, if you get on social media, you'd think that anything goes in the church um, sure. in the way we use language. And that's, so I like this category of redemptive speech or what would, redemptive language. I don't know how you put it, but 
that is a great, um, great series of sermons for the church, for social media specifically. Well, and I, and I'm not saying that we don't have disagreements with people that need to be worked through or talked through. Okay, right, or, right, right. You know, l- sit down with love. I think we'd have a lot less schisms in church history if we could learn to sit down and love and talk with one another with wisdom and maturity and discernment and humility. Um, but yeah, this this I, I think we've really got to examine ourselves. This sense of like. Well, they're this again. I keep coming back right. to you know the they're they're racists or they're Marxists or these kind of terms that are flying all over today. Like, oh, okay, what if they are? Why are you using that language? Is it to identify and other them and shut them down mm-hmm. and label them right. so that others right. stay away and you know ostracize them, or is it so that you can um, redeem them? So that you can that's sit great. down and say, man, yeah. let's let's talk this through as brothers. And and that's the difference is am I othering you or am I brothering you? Uh, hey, I just made that up. That's that's <laughs> well <good>. done. <laughs> Holy cow. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get a T-shirt. Folks. Book it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. there you go. Uh, are you an other or a brother? Uh, but that's that's the question, right? Is is what am I doing about it? So. Uh, I think a lot for us to continue to think about and, and wrestle with as we continue to move forward. Great discussion, though. Hey, um, yeah. I, yeah. I appreciate that. I find that helpful. Any, anything you guys want to add before we shut her down for the week? No, I think maybe in the future I have this question for you. Okay. But we talked about maybe derogatory labels or even just labels that don't fit people. But what about when we're trying to distinguish or label between a Christian or not a Christian? I think often we decide who is and who isn't. And yes, I know that there is, um, you know, uh, doctrinal questions as to when we can differentiate that. But I think um, that would be an in- interesting conversation for me to hear from you guys about. So, so can I ask, do you mean like denominational, um, uh, groupings? Like I'm a, I'm a Baptist conservative or I'm a. Well, um, I think often I've seen people say within circles I've been around that that dictates whether you are not, um, within the body or out as if I you gotcha. have the exact same set of beliefs as let's Ooh, say the organ yes. the movement that I'm in. Yes. Um, and so I think I'm only asking this because I feel like there could also be a danger in labeling someone, whether or not they're in the body or out of the body and maybe well, helping people well identify yeah. when to do yeah. that, or if it's not even appropriate. So it's a different, a different conversation of labeling, but something that maybe in the future we can discuss. Absolutely. I, I really, I really like that because I mean, it's, it's things like, um, like we use in, in the churches of Christ and the international churches of Christ, we use the word disciple, but that is not just like disciple anyone who follows Jesus. It's a reference to people in the international churches of Christ for a lot of us. And so could the word disciple end up, um, giving the church a smaller view of the kingdom of God than is good. And so I, I'm, I'm with you on, on that discussion, although that one will definitely get you some enemies around, <laughs> around you. So, that's why I asked you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't say yeah. my, no, I, I think that's a great question. I, I, I'm positive. I'm pretty positive that that will come up next season yeah. As we oh, it will. You're right. start going through passages and scriptures, not to defer it, yeah. but I, I love the question. Jason, have you noticed that Gianna has this tendency, like right at the end, to be like, yeah, boom, let me drop this, yeah. this yeah. golden yeah. bomb of <laughs> like things we should discuss. We'll, we'll have to make sure that we're writing these down because these are yeah. uh, gold topics yeah. and I think and, things worth right. diving into. And I love, I tell you what, that one, I'm, I'm down. That's a, that's a good one. That'll yeah, that's be, just how my brain works. Sorry yeah. guys. I just no, no apologies. No, we no time, You're but... forgiven. That, that's great. Yeah. You, yeah, you are forgiven image bearer. 
Icon. <laughs> Thank you. Thank icon. You. That, I, I love image bearer of the English. I, I love the Greek sort of the icon. Um, so go be yeah. an icon living. There you go. All right. Um, yeah. Jason Gianna, see you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. That helps others find us. If you have any questions or comments, please write to all things to all people podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week.